0: Welcome to Overthoughts, a proud member of the Overthink Podcast Network. Uh, Today, we will be discussing Solo, a Star Wars story. And there will be spoilers galore. Mm -hmm. We want to tell you a bit about the movie. We want to analyze it. We're going to take it apart. But first, I want to introduce you to my wonderful guests. So, we're going to go around person by person. Uh, They're going to tell you their name. And they're going to say one good thing about The Phantom Menace. So, Liz, let's start with you.
1: Hi, I'm Liz rowley and I guess in Phantom Menace, uh, the Jewish stereotypes were not as bad as they could have been. It could have been worse. That's
2: true. Uh, and then Ben Helms is here also. He's me. And I would say that the thing that's good about Phantom Menace is I was 13 when I saw it, and I walked out of the theater loving it. Yeah, you did. That's the best thing. Other than that, I would say the the double. I mean,
1: remember too that Taco Bell had really great Star Wars tie-ins during that time as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: So good. The double-edged lightsaber is one of the coolest inventions in the history of the Star Wars universe. Right. I mean, that's just really cool. Everything else may have sucked. Double-edged lightsaber. That's cool.
0: Yes, the double-edged lightsaber cuts both ways
1: i liked padme you guys i i have to say i loved padme loved.
2: and even better when she was Karen knightley right i mean there's exactly.
1: some good stuff yeah. there yeah. do you did you ever realize how much alike they looked until that movie that's no. another good thing that Menace I, did. I
0: didn't realize they were played by separate actors until <laughs> literally years later
2: <laughs> oh, yeah goodness. that black swan lady looks like padme amadala so true weird
0: okay so i am jason And uh, one good thing about The Phantom Menace that kind of ties in with Ben's is that he was 13 when he saw it. Uh, No.
2: (laughs)
3: That's Uh, a great
0: thing. It's it's that I was 17, and I literally ditched school for four days to camp out for it.
2: Two days to get tickets, and then two weeks later, two days just to get good seats.
0: Yep. And we we got good seats in the largest theater in Northern California.
1: Fantastic.
0: Um, It was amazing. And uh, during that camp out with my brother... Uh, we saw people um, with lightsabers doing la- lightsaber battles. Yep, yep. Uh, we found that the office building next door had a putting green. And so we bought toy, um, <laughs> toy golf clubs and uh, golfed there uh, and, and carried on very seriously. And like would, would insist that we play through and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> play um, through. Can you tell was, how
2: sad our lives have been
0: over the past oh, 30 years man. by
2: how momentous this story is? How, what a big oh, part of our lives so it
0: was. Dude, do you remember (laughs) me getting a razor from the Holiday Inn? Yes. Because I hadn't showered in days. And so I just walked over to the front desk and asked for a complimentary razor. Yeah.
1: (laughs) They thought you were homeless. Yeah. They thought you were homeless.
2: I do remember us getting, we got the maximum amount of tickets. And we had, because we had just a bunch of your friends come over and me. Yep. And you had one extra ticket and you walked over to the local music store and traded your $10 ticket for a guitar. Yep. A a guitar
0: that I have right behind me. Straight up. And what is the name of that guitar, Ben? Is that Obi-Wan? That's Obi-Wan. That's Obi-Wan.
1: Very nice.
0: Yes, yes. All right, let's let's start
1: podcasting
0: now. Let's uh, get into the show. Uh, (laughs) Not that this hasn't been great, because that is a great memory. Yes. Uh, So, yeah, I've got a a couple questions, um, but let's start with the synopsis. Uh, This is taken straight from IMDb. With the emerging demand of hyperfuel, I mean, we're all dealing with the emerging demand of hyperfuel, aren't we? Yeah, and other resources, Han Solo finds himself in the middle of a heist alongside other criminals where they meet the likes of Chewbacca, I've got to find a shorter name for that, and Lando Calrissian in an adventurous situation exposing the criminal underworld of the Star Wars saga. I like C-3PO's
2: nickname, just Chewbacca. Chewbacca? It's, I don't know, it's just a little tighter than Chewie, I guess. Yeah, Whatever.
3: yeah. No, it's good. Yeah. Heard about a job, big shot
2: gangster putting together crew. I'm a driver, and I'm a flyer. I waited a long time for a shot like this. Let me give you some advice. assume everyone will betray you, and you will never be disappointed. I got a really good feeling about this.
0: So, yeah, there was a lot of troubled production in this film. Yes. Where did that come through for you guys? Did you notice anything?
2: I would say the thing that I noticed that kind of stood out the most, and I'm guessing it was because of the troubled start of, you know, Phil Lord, Chris Miller getting fired on set because apparently they weren't making a movie, uh, and and Ron Howard coming in, was the first 20 minutes, specifically, like, the first five minutes. Jason showing me a trailer of the movie that we're talking about.
0: Yeah, it's happening on TV while we're talking. Sorry, I just wanted to distract
2: you. Cool. It's everywhere. Disney owns the world. It's true. Uh, it was the, the first five minutes of just the really, really kind of shoddy exposition and just kind of like, hey, this is who you are. This is who yeah, I am. Yeah. We're boyfriend, girlfriend, and we're kind of slaves here. We're orphans, and we have to get out of here. So let's do that. So I'm going to throw this rock over here, and now we're running. And it was like – Can you, you do all of that again in John C. <laughs> Riley voice? Because that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. And then uh, – oh, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and we're, and we're uh, orphans. <laughs> so <laughs> – It was just, it seemed lazy. I don't know if that's the right word, but it it seemed like Ron Howard was cleaning up after Phil and Chris. And I don't, I mean, I almost wish there was an extra 20 minutes showing me all that rather than them just like hiding in a corner telling me all of that. Yeah. Um, But even everything before the war, the first 20 minutes, it seemed like an hour. And it was just kind of like, I don't, like, I get it. They're on the run. Let's just get to like where the plot starts rather than like building up this relationship that we don't really need to be built up.
1: Well, I have to say when I when I watched it, I know exactly what you're talking about. It feels like Ron Howard was following with a broom and a dust fan, right? right? Cleaning right, up right. the mess. I didn't really care for the beginning, but I agree with you that it picked up where it picked up and that was probably the biggest the biggest point part for me of like any signs of trouble. It looked very much like a Ron Howard movie. I felt like I was watching Apollo 13. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I love Apollo 13. But it looked like a Ron Howard movie. But it was so clunky at the beginning. I just had to turn my brain off uh, for a little while and just enjoy it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed the beginning. I kind of loved the whole thing. But you're right. It really picked up in the heist. The train Mm -hmm. robbery. uh, Which was phenomenal. And yet another moment of filmic reference that um star wars does so well and so um in terms of yeah i I think you guys are right in that ron howard really cleaned it up i don't think we get the great train robbery without ron howard though i don't think that that was in lord miller's you know i that the way that that was shot um yeah it was a great scene it it was really phenomenal uh but he's not gonna take he's not gonna take many risks he he plays it really safe yeah and I wondered if this was not a movie for a different generation. This reminded me of a lot of those 90s movies that were really, really well received, like Forrest Gump that and Apollo 13. Off. And Apollo 13. No, Apollo uh, Under the Siege 2. Yeah. yeah. Under Siege 2. You're talking about and
2: train 2. movies, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, well done, Ben. Thanks for I, being I part don't know
2: how many, many Oscars Under Siege 2 won, but I'm sure it's.
0: it's Six. It's several. Yeah. Uh, but those are ones that were just a, a lot of, um, you know, playing to the audience and. Really overdoing it, overselling yeah. what they needed to sell. And so, yeah, Ron Howard was that, that was his time. No. Uh, I should also say that my interruption from earlier showing the trailer from Solo during the airing of a TV program uh, was, had purpose to it. Yes. And that purpose is all three of us right now are watching the fourth quarter of the first game of the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of us should say in unison Go Dubs!
2: Go Dubs! I missed it.
0: Go Liz, go Dubs? Sure. No, She's closer to Cleveland than we are. So actually, Jason, you're
2: very close to Cleveland.
0: Am I? Am I Scarily very close? close? Oh, you're am, closer am to I, Canada. Anyway, I'm in I'm in Minneapolis right now. Is that very close to Cleveland?
2: So I saw this movie real quick, going off of what I was saying before. Sure. I guess going off of what I started with, with the Phantom Menace, is I feel like I'm very close to Star Wars, just emotionally. And maybe this is something we all can agree on. I don't know, but for me, I cannot come to Star Wars objectively. Like when I just right. when I see Star Wars, like I have to see them three or four times, and it takes me a year or so to be like. Oh yeah, I guess that part just wasn't good. So I would probably lean over a little bit on the like fanboy side, if anything. Um, but so it kind of startled me, I guess, that I was able to see the cracks in this movie, yeah. like the first twenty minutes when it was just like dragging. Um, when we walked out, I saw it with Rich and Nick, and we, as soon as it came out, I was like, oh, that heist part was awesome. And I was like, yeah, there was like seven heists in this movie, and I started thinking about writing them down when I was driving home. I was like, there was the coax crystal at the beginning, then he steals the hover car. Then he steals the the ship right with Woody Harrelson. Then they do the big train heist. Then they have to steal the unrefined coax from the Kessel mines. Then they steal the coax from Dryden, and then Infest Nest steals. They do like the bait and switch kind of thing at the end. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then Beckett takes the coax from Dryden, and then Han takes it back, and then Kira leaves. So there's like all these yeah. heists throughout well, the whole thing.
0: But well, that's true of every heist movie. That's fair. Um, heist movies are typically not around one heist, right? There are lots of little heists that build up to it. Um, you, you first you have to steal the tool that will enable the later heist. Now we got to do a special thing to get the guy out of jail who we need for this heist. Yeah,
1: that's what makes Ocean's Eleven so fun. Sure, there's one big thing, yeah. but it's all the little things along the way. And I have to agree with Ben when it comes to fangirling for Star Wars. I actually defend Phantom Menace. I have wow. a Princess Leia tattoo. What? Right there. Yeah. Um. So I am a huge star wars fan um and it also takes me a little while to to do anything but not absolutely love it and declare it perfect
2: yeah which yeah i think that's a good realization for me too when i do see the cracks and stuff i'm just like you know what like it's okay to just like just enjoy it when i do when those cracks do start to seep and i'm like you know what this there's a reason that happened i trust ron howard with my life backdraft was the first star rated movie i've ever seen And so, yeah, I I think I think definitely fanboy out, fangirling out is definitely okay for this podcast.
0: And we've got a surprise for Liz. Hi! Hi! It's your beautiful husband. Beautiful (laughs) husband, say something. Hi! Hi. Hello, beautiful wife. He is beautiful. Hello! Oh my god! Hello! And with us, with us now is Josh Hilst. And uh, this is Liz's husband. Yes. And uh, yeah, so, so Josh, we put the others through this. Can you say your name and one good thing about the Phantom Menace? Uh, so my name is uh, Joshua
3: Hilst. And one good thing about the Phantom Menace would be it's the last long-term appearance of Jar Jar Binks.
1: There we go. Mm.
0: The Sith master behind it all.
1: <laughs> exactly. Gosh. He would be.
0: For, from one hottie to another, uh, yeah. Alden Ehrenreich. Uh, I, I was worried. Going into it, I was real worried. How do you think he did?
1: Well, everyone knows. It's a truth universally acknowledged that 1980s Harrison Ford is the epitome of hotness and light and like physical lust walking down the street. And you have to understand that when I was a child, I was either going to marry Han Solo or Indiana Jones. Not Harrison Ford, but Han Solo or Indiana Jones. actually ended up Marrying a professor um, whose students write love you on their eyelids. Mm. but So you have to understand, unless you have a time machine, for me, there is no beating 1970s, 1980s Harrison Ford. That said, he charmed me over. He had some of those same facial expressions, some of those, uh, the way he talked. He won me over. I bought it. I went in not expecting to love him as much, but I love his character and Harrison Ford that much that it was an homage to both. And I was completely satisfied.
0: I thought he did such a great job of not doing a Harrison Ford imitation, but letting these really small Harrison Ford uh, idiomaticities slip out, right? Just small grimaces. Uh, the way he ran with a blaster, with his shoulders hunched up—that stupid way that Harrison Ford runs. He doesn't do anything wrong, but that was wrong, and that was stupid, and uh, that was that was so good. Um, mm-hmm. And it led to my my favorite um, bit of fan service, which was when uh, John Favreau as Rio, the six limbed alien, uh-huh. looks back at the guy getting on the the uh, spaceship and says, "Get off my ship!" With one. Does he after. say that? He does, and it was amazing. Oh my gosh! It was, best gosh. It was the best thing ever. That's really good fan service. Like,
1: get off mm, my
0: ship. Mm, that's some good fan service. Tastes good. <laughs> oh, that's good.
1: Well that's done. meta.
2: Wow. Wow, that's really good.
0: yeah. You knew I'd like something good. Uh,
2: yeah. Yeah. Seriously, uh, I would agree with everything you guys said. I think that the the fact that he didn't try to be Harrison Ford was huge. The fact that he owned it. I, th- I think my biggest negatives were when I was trying to pick through and be like, oh, is he good enough throughout? Were the lines he had to say, and that's mm-hmm. unfortunately. I was going to blame it on Lawrence Kasdan. It's probably his son, Jonathan Kasdan, because yeah. uh, yeah. Larry Kasdan can't do any wrong either. Uh, but yeah, there were some lines we joked about uh, Chewbacca, like that with the
0: one liner of like, "Oh, you need a nickname? What can it be? Gee, I don't know. <laughs> like, see, I don't know if that's you see be Chewbacca. As... There are these things that humans use called nicknames. Right. It is where I take your name right. and then I shorten it, and I will call you by that thing.
2: Or, or even him speaking uh, Wookies or uh, Wookie tongue or whatever the hell. The Kashikian languages that he speaks back like to Kashikian Chewbacca. That was, that's just—it sounded weird um, when a human did that, and not Chewbacca. So I don't want to ever hear that again. And we got the yellow subtitles, which was nice. Uh, Throwback yeah. to Return of the Jedi, but yeah, I—I th- I think he overall did a great job. He did better than anyone I could have expected trying to do that. Yeah, I think it's as good as you can do. So yeah, in my eyes, absolutely. Uh, but no one can come nearly as close as Donald Glover did
0: to young Billy D. Williams.
1: That was a yeah. religious experience. That was
0: amazing. Josh, but, take a. Sip us a nice smooth Colt forty five, <laughs> and tell us what you thought about Donald
3: Glover. Uh boy, I'm I'm so ill prepared right now. Um, I I very much enjoyed him, I, uh, <clears throat> but I I actually think there are uh, what you guys were saying about Alden Ehrenreich, I think could apply just as easily to, to Donald Glover. I didn't. I don't think he did a Billy Dee Williams impersonation at all. He just sort of embodied. Uh, the character of Lando Calrissian, I thought, a whole cloth. I mean, was, he just sort of made it his, his own thing. Yeah, absolutely. But I could easily see a, a continuity between Glover's younger Lando yeah. and
2: and uh, yeah.
3: Billy Dee Williams' the slightly older, more matured Lando.
2: Somebody yeah. pointed out – some. I think it may have been on the watch, Jay, where um, Andy and Chris pointed out that they he picks up an accent halfway through and then drops it and picks it up again. And I was like, that, that I definitely noticed that, but I picked it up as maybe this is my, the fan servicey or whatever, the forgiveness coming out where I'm, I've picked it up as his persona has that cool, smooth talking. Yeah, exactly. Accent.
0: Exactly. When the real totally him is you. like
2: trying to get by. He's like, he's a hustler and a smuggler and all that. And so he's, when he's caught off guard, you see kind of the real Lando. Yeah. But When he's, you know, well, when, he, when he's playing Sabacc, he's really cool. It's like everything you've heard about me, you can believe, or is real or whatever yeah. he says, like, just boxing the line, but you know what I mean. I, like it felt real to me that in the right moments he was saying he was using the right accent, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it's exactly like the fact that he calls him Han throughout oh, so episodes good. five and six, and now we've got a reason for it, which is that he's fucking with him. So that's, that's the best so thing good.
2: that Rogue One yes. and, and Solo have done overall is made the original movies even better. Right? Yes. You have yes. You have Jin Erso's father making the back door to the Death Star, which is like, oh my gosh, that's why it's so obvious. That's why they didn't put a piece of plywood over that hole on the side of the giant ship. And you have this, obviously, saying that's why he calls him Han, which is kind of a weird thing to overlook in Return of the Jedi, or in uh, Empire. Yeah. It's Or I guess in both. But uh, it's just, it's so nice that every time he says it now, when I watch Empire in Return, it's him, it's like their inside joke where he's just a little dig at Han Solo. Yeah. It's so good.
0: I hate you. Oh. I know. <laughs> That was good, too. Uh, That was good. All right. Let's talk about the Khaleesi. Uh, Uh, What do we all think of Kira?
1: Well, okay. I am a Princess Leia girl, okay? When I was growing up, Princess Leia was really the only female character, really the only character I was allowed to like as a girl in Star Wars. And I especially loved her in A New Hope. Um, She's very sassy. She's very um, resourceful, she doesn't take any crap from any of the boys around her. She and, saves
2: them when they're stuck in the detention.
1: Hey, someone has to save their skins, yeah. you know? nice. Um, and she was, exactly. And she was just so special to me that when Carrie Fisher passed away, that was a very personal loss for me. And I know I sound like a crazy fangirl but it was a very personal loss my husband can attest to this um so when I first saw Khaleesi up there and I'm gonna I'm sorry I I'm gonna call her Khaleesi but when I first saw her up there I'm like who's this bitch (laughs) who she thinks she is she's not Princess Leia that's Princess Leia's man's Son, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so I kind of had that little knee jerk, and I was wondering the whole time, how are they going to fix this? Um, because obviously Leia is the love of his life, and of course, she betrays him at the end. Um, as far as her acting goes, I thought she was charming, I thought she was beautiful. Oh my goodness, her lipstick, her lip color was on uh, point. I need so to good. know what it was. She, <laughs> And this movie was really good, especially with her, for doing that futuristic 70s look with the clothes yeah. and the hair. Yeah. And it absolutely suited her. Just beautiful, brilliant. She's the one who knows Lando. I really I really enjoyed her. But then again, she's my Khaleesi, so I got nothing but love for her.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe with the Leia talk, now's a good time just to talk about Star Wars and feminism. Because Star Wars, I think, has a pretty complex relationship with feminism. Uh, we look at Leia as a strong female character, and yet uh, there's a lot of things that would point against that. Uh, the way that she's uh, objectified sexually and yep. in a, as a slave, right? The way that she's treated as a trophy in episode four. I mean, we could go on. And yet it really resonated with people. Maybe people were just hungry for that, for an actual female lead in a sci fi that, that mattered that Leia provided. And I think the new movies have done that, uh, in better ways and stronger ways. Uh, what do we all think about solo? How did that add to this tradition? Uh, what missteps did it make?
2: L three. Yeah. Right. I think that was, that was a pretty cool kind of B storyline. Um, with, which was the the idea of the, the droid revolution, which they do pretty early on, right? Where you have like the, um, the battle bots scene and you have L three voiced by Phoebe Waller bridge and who was my favorite character throughout like as soon as i saw her the fact that she was just like raging on uh ron howard's brother dwight howard what's his name yes
0: clint (laughs) Clint. howard such a good clint howard cameo
2: yeah Mm -hmm. oh so good (laughs) uh yeah from that scene on she was my favorite character can i get you anything equal rights like just so many amazing lines the whole droid revolution uh where when the droid goes what should i do now i don't know free your brothers and sisters like every line she had was just extremely quotable she was like K2SO, but with more meaning, I guess. Like, Alan Tudyk was just hilarious. She was yes. hilarious with depth. Uh, and yeah, I, I remember thinking halfway through, I leaned over to, to Nick Gates and was just like, that would be an awesome shirt. Just hashtag droid rights. And as soon as I said that, I was like, oh, wait. Like, is this making light of revolutions and equal right. rights? And, and are we going to see things like droid rights or droid revolution? And does that make too light of this thing that is very serious and very real? Or is it going to be seen as, as like the the underlying message of the movie, which is which is basically fighting for equal rights? Is that like the underlying thing? Is this hammering at home too strongly? I couldn't figure out kind of which side it was going for. Is it making too light of it or is it kind of hammering at home too much? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So, so one thing that's bothered me with the idea of um, the resistance, uh, especially now in 2017, as that kind of picked up in 2016 with Rogue One and marketing the resistance, um, is in a way – it doesn't match up to our present political moment because Star Wars is dealing with dark and light in such stark differences where it is a milita- it, it is all dealt with in military ways and it is two opposing forces that will be fought physically, right? And one of the great things about L3 is she's fighting systemic oppression and she fights it by freeing workers. I mean, that's, that's just legit straight-up activism that she's doing. Yeah, It involves blasters at certain points, but really the blasters we about the people shaking off their chains in this very literal way that Star Wars has not dealt with in the rest of their rebellion and their resistance. That's one thing I really like uh, in terms of what about if you put a, a shirt that said droid lives matter or something like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, geez, dude. It
0: reminded me of the game that just came out, Detroit Become Human, and there's lots of commercials for it going on. And the basic plot of the game is um, it's in some dystopian future where there are all these androids and the androids are systemically oppressed, and they start fighting for their rights, and that's part of the game that you're in. Uh, And that sounds really cool. I love games about androids, but what it's doing is taking Black Lives Matter uh, language and imagery and putting it on this fictional battle, which in a way allows it to be talked about in a safe way that actually doesn't involve the real actual struggle of human beings. In a way, it's actually not saying that Black Lives Matter. Uh, It's finding a way to not say that by transferring it as opposed to a in the light of a fictional shirt that says droid lives matter, which would be stupid and awful. Like, we can recognize it in that light as, no, 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 that's not doing it. So I think you're right. I, I like this in terms of the movie. I'm not sure if it's actually that progressive or if it's just kind of a safe way of doing it.
1: I have to disagree. Since the 2016 election, um, I have found that the Star Wars movies have given such a message of hope for me personally. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I see I see the rebels. I see the resistance. In a way, I I really see it as like the the pussy hats and the women's march in a lot of ways. I identify with the rebels and especially in in Solo, where they take this atomic matter and they destroy it so that it doesn't fall into the hands of, you know, I don't know, the American government, perhaps Japan, perhaps Um, I don't feel like the Star Wars universe is pacifist. Dear goodness, it wants to be.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the whole light side message that Luke slowly learns and that he's critiqued for in The Last Jedi is this, this, this um, pacifism, mm-hmm. this um, disattachment uh, that he has. So th- that is a big part of Star Wars that I, you're right, I, I think I was missing.
2: And that's what they talk about. I and mean, that's so much of Luke's training is it's calm, it's passive, that, that Yoda's teaching him. And we don't really see that throughout the movies. There's, yeah. We do see it with Luke, where he literally turns his lightsaber off at one point when he's fighting his dad and then he turns it on. But... That would be a cool part of Star Wars. I mean, it doesn't even have to be one of the main canonical ones. It could be a Star Wars story or an anthology story, but I'd love to see the more passive side of the Force or of the Star Wars universe looked into for sure.
0: That is the arc of The Last Jedi. Um, That's the entire arc. That's everyone's arc. And in fact, the middle part... Yeah, yeah. um, they're
2: running from violence the whole time.
0: Running from violence, trying to escape it. Poe's entire character arc is about learning that running is okay, that not facing things head on. And that listening, when people say, shh, just, just wait, you'll see, just wait, it's going to be okay, that that is an acceptable thing to do. And in fact, in his activity, in terms of uh, opposing passivity, he actually makes things worse.
2: That's a good point. Wow. So that movie that I hope exists, it came out. It came out, it came out
0: and the fans did not like it.
2: <laughs> um, well, some of them didn't. Yeah, I mean, even the final scene, the final fight, one of the people isn't there. Yeah. fighting, And even in the fight, even as a hologram, he's not fighting. That's how he wins the fight.
0: Damn it. Well, that moment when he brushes his shoulders off is still so the greatest good. moment in cinema history. So um,
1: God, I love It's that. up there.
2: No, the moment where he drags his leg and the salt doesn't go with his leg.
0: Yeah. And your good. wife said, hey, something's wrong with his leg. I still can't believe that. What? She picked it up the, the first time she watched it. She's like, why isn't he making footprints?
2: That's insane. Like,
0: you're a genius.
2: That's insane.
0: Megan Helms is a genius. I said <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, back to Solo. Yeah, back to Solo. Because uh, it was good to... Actually, maybe now's a good time to branch out and start talking about other Star Wars movies. Okay, We all went through the exercise of ranking our top 10 Star Wars movies. So what are our rankings? Uh Should we should we go through those? Should we go through them? At least compare. So I think when I
2: sent my rankings to Jason, I was like, okay, we're all going to have the same ones, right? Where it's going to be basically... The first three are going to be the original trilogy, and then the next four are going to be the modern ones, and then the last three are going to be the original prequel, or the, the prequels, which was not correct. Uh It yeah. was... It was mostly correct. I think all of us had either Empire or A New Hope to start, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Listen, and I had A New Hope. Uh, and then we all had the prequels as 8, 9, 10. Yes. But 2 through 7 were kind of whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. if well, do we want to fight this out? What surprised
0: most in putting together your list? That's maybe a good way to oh, talk okay. about it. I was, yeah. I was most surprised by having uh, The Last Jedi 2 and Rogue One 3. I really liked The Last Jedi, I, I kind of can't believe it that I have it number two on the list after Empire. Wow. And it's it's also surprises me how much I have liked Return of the Jedi, going back to it, uh, so much so that I now kind of want to change my list and even put it ahead of New Hope in some ways. So I think I agree
2: with J- your list, Jason, more than I agree with my own in yeah. an objective like filmmaking capacity. But I, I went to the quiz. But we'll link to the quiz. It's another quiz that Sean Thompson's coworker made because he's amazing at coding these quizzes. Uh, and I, I I went to it with the mindset of which one would I rather watch right now? Or like in general, like which one would I want to watch the most kind of thing, right? Any day I could watch this kind of thing. Uh, rather than just the, which one was I think is better. So maybe that's a different way of, of broaching it. But yeah. So my order was New Hope, Empire, then Return. Yeah. Just like the original order of the original 456. And then the middle four was uh, Last Jedi, then Solo, then Rogue One, then The Force Awakens. Wow. wow. And then revenge attack phantom but yeah i I think i have recency bias in solo being fifth and that might drop a little bit once i start seeing more cracks in it uh and last jedi i've watched it a couple times already just on on blu-ray and it's just i just watched the brian johnson commentary which obviously makes it way better uh i love ryan johnson even more than i love ron howard Mm
1: -hmm. uh, on every single film
2: he's ever made uh so yeah I, i that might even climb above return of the jedi someday
0: yeah, and you're ride or die, Ron Howard. So that's yeah. that's big. <laughs> but backdraft, baby. Yeah, Liz. Liz, what surprised you?
1: Um. Well, my one, two, three was as Ben mentioned. Number one is a new hope, but my number two surprised me and didn't surprise me in that it was Rogue One. I loved that movie, and I will never forget how I felt at the end of that movie when you see all this tragedy, all these people die, these people that we've watched this whole. Oh, a spoiler alert. Um, in case you haven't watched it but all these people that we care about die for these plans the plan that gets handed to my childhood hero to the one who always seems superfluous to the girl i am allowed to like the girl and it's like this whole time she was the hero and they sure, they kind of hint at it, you know, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope, and, in, in, you know, a new hope. But it was just so beautiful how she held the literal future of the rebels in her hands. And it also made it funny when you watch Rogue One and then A New Hope when Darth Vader you know she says no I'm on a diplomatic mission from Alderaan and he's like I just saw you, <laughs> yeah. you leaving in a ship and someone gave you the plans i was trying to kill him so that was a fun little thing but it makes um, it
2: much more defiant than it is trying to be deceitful
1: absolutely absolutely yeah. like she's not
2: trying to lie to him she knows he knows the truth but she's just like sticking to her plan Exactly.
1: It. She's looking at him in the face yeah. in the mask. I'm on a diplomatic rather. mission. Yeah, I'm on a diplomatic mission from Alderaan. I don't know what you're talking about. And then so, she
0: shoots Mel Gibson's girlfriend. Exactly. <laughs> she has diplomatic immunity. <laughs>
1: wow. So I was surprised but not surprised that Rogue One was my number two because that movie is very, very important and I love the fact that it was a Star Wars movie in the Star Wars universe that both existed and did not exist in um, existing you know the movies that did not exist in the plot line we didn't have Han we didn't have Chewie technically we did have a Skywalker but I just love the fact that Jen so was the main focus and her journey as um so I love is this R- is Solo R- our first one without a Skywalker I believe that it's, you might be right it's also
2: our first one without C-3PO and R2-D2 Wow. So, there That's was big. an R2 droid that looks exactly like R2-D2 in one of the opening scenes. Yes. But yeah. I'm assuming that it wasn't him. Yeah. Who
1: knows? And so, and for my number three, I got The Force Awakens. Mm. And, again, I, I think it's this little nerdy sci-fi me as a little girl. Now there's a girl Jedi. Yeah. Um, that felt so good. I mean, little boys can watch Star Wars, and they identify with the, with the heroes, man. Like, now... My daughter and your daughters can do the same thing with Ray. Oh, my goodness. I want to cry just thinking about it. But I, I love The Force Awakens. I loved how they continued the stories from the original trilogy. Yeah. And then from there, of course, I have Empire Strikes Back as number four. But I did put Empire, The Last Jedi, and Return of the Jedi before Solo on mm-hmm. my list. Yeah. And then, and 8, 9, and 10 is Revenge, Attack, and Phantom. But Solo, I all of the movies, the original trilogy and everything that's come out since then, it's my least favorite, but yeah. it is still a lot of fun. Like, yes. my least favorite Star Wars movie is still better than, you know, a lot of Academy Award winners.
0: Yeah, so moving from that, uh, let's get into the Kessel Run. Yeah. And just how it was run and how we finally got the answer to how is a, a parsec a unit of time. Uh, which oh. is it's not. It's a shortcut through a Cthulhu monster's backyard. Mm-hmm. So excited about this. So yeah, what, what do we all think? Actually, yeah. you know what? Let's let's stop Liz, yes. What do we think?
1: I well, they. You have to realize that there actually was an explanation that existed pre two thousand twelve in the Star Wars universe about the Kessel Run. What it was, what it was running. Basically, it was a way to smuggle drugs that technically belonged to the Empire um, to. The end of the, I believe it's pronounced C-clata cluster. Wow. wow. Um, yeah. The, let me know if I go too into this.
0: Okay. I, I, I once had a spice porter named the Kessel Run after the spice mines there. So I'm good. Okay. I'm in.
1: Okay. All right. Good, good. Yeah, it was. It was, it was spice. It was basically a legal drug. Um, so George Lucas's explanation is that mm. in Star Trek, for example, when you warp, you actually fold time and space yeah. like a map. And so you just kind of shortcut, but in his world, you actually go really fast faster than the speed of light, and that's how you that's how you travel, so you just go straight, which they actually referenced in in the the last jedi yeah, yep. so you go straight ahead, so it takes a really good navigational computer and a really good navigational pilot to figure out what are the shortest and quickest jumps nice. Now, you have to understand that the entire Kessel Run is 18 parsecs. So, Han did it in a way that he only had to travel 12 parsecs. So, he didn't even have to... Follow the whole way. If he was that fast, he was that good of a pilot. You also have to remember, and it was touched on in the movie, that the Maw cluster was right there and there's black holes everywhere. And if you go fast, if you go closer to that, you technically go faster. But you can't go too close because then the black holes will suck you in. But if you go closer to it, you'll go you'll, you'll faster. So
2: Just like in Interstellar.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So the fact that he was able to do this eighteen run parsec or eighteen parsec run in twelve parsecs,
0: if you round down, if you round down, nice. If you round down,
1: <laughs> yeah, if you round down, that was so good. Oh man! And you have to understand too that there was actually um, a, a fan theory that Han was lying about the twelve parsecs the whole time. In one yeah. of the early drafts of the New Hope, um, Obi Wan Kenobi expresses uh, reluctance to believing his story like what that's impossible you're blowing smoke up our our robes i guess because you can't do that right right. yeah however then george lucas explained it so anyway so that was the kessel run and of course it was in it was in ac crispin's trilogy of han solo novels Mm -hmm. and they're no longer um canon Canon.
0: yes but all right so we're being fan servicey Let's, yeah. what, what is your favorite moment, or, or least favorite if there was something you really didn't like, favorite moment of fan service? I'll go first. Mine was when Han shot first.
2: At the very end. Yeah. Um,
0: I have a, a poster on my wall in Spaghetti Western style of Han and Greedo facing off, and you can tell that Han's hand is closer to his pistol, and it's mm-hmm. fantastic, that little subtle thing that you know Han's going to shoot first. You can see it in the poster. You uh, can tell and him- that matters to me.
2: There's a lot of things Disney is doing to to kind of apologize for the prequels and the special editions, right? And I yeah. feel like mm-hmm. Han shooting first is one of them. I feel like most of The Force Awakens, maybe not most of it, big parts of it. A lot of the main beats are kind of saying, hey, we know how to make Star Wars movies again. Like, you don't – you have to worry about the Imperial Senate or, like, going through whatever, like, trials or whatever the Emperor's doing and, like, who's in power and, like, all these political things. Like, we're just going to make an awesome – 90 to 120 minute film, and it's going to be great. And it's okay if there's a third Death Star. Like, go get over mm-hmm. it. It'll be exciting. Here's more yep. Skywalker stuff. We love that. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. I will say, I'll say the Millennium Falcon. The the fact that, you know, it looked different, obviously. Or right? it had, didn't have the two horns like the Millennium Falcon did. And I yep. honestly, as big of a fan as I am, like, I will admit, I did not know what the thing was. And I probably should have. I think this was available for this movie. Uh, that it was the... Um,
1: escape pod. Escape
2: pod. It was the escape pod, right? And it, the yep. fact that when that goes out... And it takes the giant squid monster into the black hole. Yeah, what an awesome hero moment and one an awesome fan servicey moment. Like it did both yes. at the same time. It was useful and it was just a cool like everyone clap and go like oh at like it's just mm-hmm. a great moment. I, yeah, yeah. That, that was my moment. I think.
0: Yeah, I, I think my favorite bit of Millennium Falcon was the uh, big uh, round satellite dish on top of it that it was on horizontally. So like from from the first second you see that satellite dish, you're like, oh, that's getting knocked off. guys. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. 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 It's gonna it's gonna be a round one later, but it'll be up vertical and then it'll be a rectangular one. No, I know what's happening. We're good. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I wonder if they do that just so they can have like different versions of the Millennium Falcon, though. Like there there's always a yes. e-walk part of my brain that's working that's like, does this exist only so I have to buy four versions of the Millennium Falcon? Mm-hmm. Which I will, so maybe it doesn't matter. All right, Liz, what were we gonna say? Or
0: Jay, what were we gonna say? Over time. <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. Oh my gosh. <sighs> <sighs> it's it's nerve wracking. Sorry, y'all. We're we're watching this game. Uh, yeah, Liz. So, what was your most fan servicey favorite moment?
1: Uh, I loved the fact that they explained why the Millennium Falcon has such a good navigation system. Yes,
0: yeah. I loved what
1: they did with L with L three, and I believe it was um The Empire Strikes Back, where C three PO has a line. I don't know where your ship learned to communicate, but it has the most peculiar dialect. And I loved the fact that now we know it was L3. So I loved that. But close number two has to be Lando's cape collection. Yes. Yeah. Of course he wears capes. A cape for every occasion. That's
0: a custom piece. Yes. By the way, the uh, the peculiar dialect I think is Marxism that he's referring to as in his posh British du- British voice because it, it's not British. I mean, they both have that same accent. It's the fact that she thinks that workers should have rights. That's mm-hmm. what he thinks is a peculiar dialect. Anyway, that's my reading of it.
1: That's a very interesting interpretation.
0: Did real
2: quick? Did JR think that they were up, which is why he started running away uh, to the opposite way of his basket.
0: Uh. JR is playing three dimensional chess. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. He, he and Trump are playing against each other. It's so good. Oh, um, so like, slide tackle! It's so good. All right. Wow. Uh, so, Josh, uh, what was your favorite fanservicey moment?
1: Josh, I know exactly what you were. What you should talk about. Josh, you need to talk about the idol.
0: The idol? Oh yeah. Throw me the idol. You take
1: the idol. Okay, I'll yeah. throw you the whip.
3: Yeah.
0: When did that
1: have to happen?
3: Uh, at one point on Dryden Boss's barge, he's got all those treasures around him.
0: One of the treasures on the back table is the no, idol from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, that's wow. phenomenal. It is. That's, that's C-3PO and R2-D2 yeah. in Raiders. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. That yeah. is, that's really, really good.
2: I wonder if Lawrence Kasdan just has all these props in his trunk, and he's like, you know what? This would be... Fans would like this. Josh would like
0: this. Let yeah. me go get it in my trunk and yeah. put it on the <laughs> table over here. Yep. Oh, man. Um, oh, that's, that's stellar work. All right, Cool. So do we want to talk about how the, the movie performed, what we were, think about future future Star Wars films? I mean, this it underperformed at the box office and yet is also a huge hit at the same time. Yes. Uh outperforms most movies that go out. Um, so, so what are our thoughts about how it did and also what this means for future Star Wars films?
1: I think that it shows people love the uh, what's happening in Star Wars right now with The uh, Last Jedi and The Force Awakens. And they maybe don't care quite as much as the backstory for this particular character. And I have to yeah. say, I was a little put out at the beginning, like, oh, he's an orphan. His last name is Solo because it's so sad. And that's not why you love Han Solo. Yeah, for right. me, you love him because he's a rakish guy and he's funny and he's a little smarmy, but he's got a heart of gold at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, I think that people are more interested in the last Jedi time or timeline happening right now rather than going backwards. Yeah. And I realize that it totally goes against everything I said about uh, Rogue One, but I just think that they want to move forward with Star Wars right now. Um, yeah. But then again, like you pointed out, Jason, it is a huge hit. Yeah. And yeah. so I think a lot of people still want to watch it. I don't know how I feel about two more and I don't know. I'm going to call her Khaleesi again. I'm sorry. And I don't know if I really care about Khaleesi to see how she gets bad.
2: Yeah. You'd
0: better because we're
2: going to hear a lot about it for the next three hours of the solo adventure. Yeah. I will
0: be there for it. I am ready. Uh, the one thing I, I really kind of like about it is the way it frees up future movies to do whatever they want. And I think one movie had to take that hit. This is the first Star Wars without a Skywalker in it. We needed one mm. to do that.
1: You are absolutely right. Do you
0: think that's why it's performing poorly? I, I, I think it's tied to it in that any movie without it, a Skywalker in it would face similar things. Of, But it doesn't have the same scale. It doesn't have the same, you know. It,
1: mm.
0: They have to delineate what's true kind of within that, not just canon, but within that, the canon within the canon, the main films. Uh, and Rogue One, mm. in a lot of ways, felt like it was part of the main films. Um, it didn't have the same characters, but it did tell the same story. Right. It was in service of that larger story. Whereas this did not as much. Very disconnected. Um, it, yes. You could see some of it happening, even with Darth Maul at the end, you know that there's a larger story behind it. Uh, but it's it's not directly connected uh in the same way. And so I'm I'm glad, you know, now we can have some kind of cool, easy writer uh about some stormtroopers on their speeder bikes. And I'm ready for it. It'll be great. Um, like do all the movies. Uh, I will throw money at them because they have Star Wars in them.
2: Yeah, and walking into the, the film with Rich, we drove an hour and a half to meet Nick there. So we had a lot of time to talk about the the film beforehand. And we both kind of landed on the fact that we weren't nearly as excited for it as we wanted to be, or as, as excited as we were for, for any of the, the previous three modern ones. And I think that's because we're at peak Star Wars, right? This, mm-hmm. It's only been six months since the last one. And as much as I was super excited to see this film does seem like it just wasn't as momentous as the, as the past three have been as, you know, waiting 20 years between revenge of the Sith and um, the force awakens. Wow. i really, the prequels all run together. Sorry guys. They do phantom of the Sith clones. Um, so yeah, I think that had something to do with it. That might be something to do with the fact that people are like, also, we just had two Marvel movies come out in the past month. And so they're seeing this one. And so Jason's pointing to his TV and, exciting warriors things are happening. But yeah, I think that's part of it, right? There's just so much star Wars things. It didn't seem as like this huge thing that you have to go see opening weekend because it's only happening once in our lifetime. Kind of thing. Like the force awakens when it came out felt. Yeah.
1: I will say that I feel that it was, it it might be star Wars fatigue, but there was such a huge backlash towards the, the last Jedi when it came out because they have to set up new characters. Han is dead. Um, Carrie Fisher passed away. Luke passed away. They have to make room for these new characters and make us care about them um and I think it just might be fatigue i There's all these new characters you got Rose, you got Ray, you got Poe, and you know there's a lot going on, and it could just be that we're a little oversaturated with feelings right yeah. now about Star Wars, and we just kind of need a break from it before we can move on with the next step.
0: My Star Wars fatigue shows up in that some of the Star Wars comics I know that I'm going to have to catch and trade paperback. That's that's where my Star Wars fatigue shows up. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: I I'm not with you guys in that sense, but I do feel that a lot of people are there feeling like oh great it's all just Star Wars. Um,
1: and I'm not I, saying, I'm so in. I'm not saying I feel that way. Okay. I just okay. Think, I'm just thinking it could be an explanation. Yeah. 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 I I don't feel that way. I've right. probably watched Rogue One three times a week for the past few months. Like not at all.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to touch on something that we, we didn't really talk about. We talked about Alden's portrayal of Han, but we didn't really talk about Han's arc. And I know I left the movie wishing that there was more of a place that left him really, really dark. And then I obviously like researched some and was like, Oh, we're going to get three of these solo movies most likely. So yeah. maybe that's where they're going to leave it. But especially cause there's, he's not 15 in this movie, right? He's like 20, 25 right. and Han Solo is like right. 30, 35. So like, 10 years maybe like there's not a big difference as far as like Han Solo is the person at the end of this and the beginning of episode four. So I was hoping he'd get to this like hopeless, nihilistic, like not good hearted. Like he says yeah. at the end, I'm not a good guy, yeah. but. But you can tell all, he's just
0: trying to convince himself.
2: Exactly. Right. The fact that he had to say it out loud was like, okay, he's a good guy. Uh And all of the betrayals on him. And even though he had a betrayal too, right? But like all of the betrayals against him in the last 20 minutes, seemed like a good start for that but then it ends with like oh let's go join with the huts and like here's all the money to start your rebellion and like all these like positive things that a normal movie plot would have to have i get that but the fact that it ended on such a light note made it seem like this isn't the same guy that that is smuggling things in episode 4 that that by the end of episode 4 has this big arc and is like oh my gosh like he saves the day he freaking he's the guy that saves the rebellion not here Like, we don't know that he's a good guy yet. It kind of took away from the arc of Episode Four a little bit because of that.
0: Yeah, for me, this is kind of the last Jedi uh, felt like a happy ending, and people were a little bit bummed by that. They were like, I'm kind of hoping for the Empire darker ending. And it's like, the entire rebellion now sits on top of the Millennium Falcon. It's five people, right. Like, five people. That's it. That's the entire rebellion now. You wanted something darker than that? Just because it felt happy, just because the music cues made it seem happy, doesn't mean that it was. And I think it's a similar kind of thing here, which is... Yeah, Han just seems like he's ready to become a good guy. But even if we don't get the other movies, I can tell you the other movies real quick, which is right at this moment where he is poised, he has done his best thing. He now gets the lesson in why you don't do good. And that's the lesson he hasn't gotten yet. Mm. And that lesson is all about Khaleesi and finding out that she left him and finding out that love is not real. He was driven throughout this entire movie by love for her. That was his one driving force. And the only people that know that she betrayed him to the extent that she betrayed him are us. He doesn't yet. He thinks he does. And he's like, Oh, I'm disappointed. She's doing something else, but he's still telling himself stories about what else she's doing. Not, he does not realize that she has turned to evil and that she is running this group that he just tried to take down. Yeah. That's a real different level of betrayal.
2: There's always things that these movies do that set up the sequels that take away from the film standing alone and yeah i mean you have movies like um uh, fellowship of the ring and stuff like that that's obviously just part of a giant story but this is has one foot in one foot out because if it did really really poorly they wouldn't make two and three so basically all of the stuff that had to do with kira Kalisi keralisi uh was saying hey we don't need to talk about this now we'll just talk about it later and it detracted yeah. from the film to me like hey i've done bad things no you're fine you haven't done that bad of things like i want to hear what those things are even if yeah. it's through Dryden or through Chewie or who else, like it doesn't have to be through Han. Like, give me a hint of some horrible thing she did so I can have some backstory and know some of her motivation. Because at the end, when she's talking to Darth Maul, she's like, "Yeah, let's team up." Like, I don't know if she's going to double cross him or if she's going to be Darth Maul Junior. Or if she actually ever loved Han. And maybe, I mean, obviously, they want us to kind of be like, "Oh, where is she going?" But I, I just feel, seem like this almost like a, a straw character of just like, I don't know, like every argument I, I have, like I have nothing to back that up against because we only get these like lines that could all be lies from her. Does that make sense? We don't yeah. get any backstory yeah. or any truth behind what she actually ever says or does.
0: Yeah. I'm, I've got a real sense that she really did some evil and I, and that's why Dryden I, I'm so with much, you right? that I, that I would have liked more of that. And yet I, th- I think it does sit there just right below the surface. Um, it's, it's pretty clear that like, yeah, her connection with Dryden, like, she had to kill her way out of what she did, uh, out of where she was, uh, especially after trying to escape with Han. I mean, things got really, really dark there in a way that we probably don't want in a lighthearted Star Wars movie in some ways. Uh, you're right, there probably could have been some nice ways to just nod at it. But I, th- I yeah, yeah, I think your point stands.
2: Liz, anything on, on Han or Kira or any overall
1: arcs? They really wanted us to care deeply about Kira um, and what and want to know why she did what she did. Again, I'm a Princess Leia girl. I did just. I don't really care. Take <laughs> one, um, yeah. I, I don't want to know why. I mean, that's, you can, fair. that's fair. You can go into the introspection so much before it, you actually just see someone like sitting and being sad, and the actor is acting sad, and wow, something really bad happened. And it doesn't. I don't care why. I want to know what is going on. What the, the I love seeing the Rebels, uh, what's going on with the Rebels, what's That's going cool. on in the Empire. It's, yeah, we've seen the birth of the Rebels here in this movie. Um, I'm really not that interested in her, especially since, uh, well, not as interested, I should say, especially since Star Wars gave me a whole bunch of other characters to, to care about very, very recently. As far as Han goes, it was very important that he had the opportunity for his character, in my opinion, to join the rebels, really, on the ground floor. But there's no profit in that. We're going to go off to Tatooine and there's a guy with a thing. We're going to run a con. Um, That's true. That's a good <laughs> way to look at it. I like that. Yeah, yes. so Han, first and foremost, is still looking out for, for number one. Yeah. Um, and he did have the opportunity, and later he joins the opportunity. He had the opportunity to join on the ground level of the rebels, and he, you know, politely declined. But he'd still helped them out. So I thought that it was very... Fitting for where he is, because we're still some time away from a new hope, um, and he's got to get a little more jaded.
0: Yeah, yeah but he's yeah. definitely
1: down that path.
0: Oh, you guys got me excited for for films two and three in this series. I, know, um, yeah. I, I wasn't, in lo- and now I'm there. That that actually sounds kind of fun. All right, so let's get out of here. Um, any any final thoughts from either of you on uh, on Solo, a Star it, Wars story?
1: Yeah. Did so? Did Lando and L three do it? Totally.
0: Yeah, like twice. Really. Yeah, yeah. No, what? No. In my, uh, my fan fiction, they did.
1: Oh, I see. Okay, okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've seen, I, I've had enough robot sex with Westworld, so I'm
2: okay with that <laughs> happening off screen. But yeah, they, of course they did it. That's, oh, wow.
0: that's the most uh, unbelievable sentence I ever uttered in the English language. I've had enough robot sex. Speaking uh, of which, Maeve was in this movie for a few Maeve. minutes.
2: Oh, know you so good. That. It's just like, hey, let's have Tandy Newton act and, uh, and just die eight minutes later.
0: And one thing I really liked about um, Beckett's betrayal at the end, or or his his talk about you know never trust anyone that kind of thing, that's how I got around it, is by never trusting anyone. Is it it helps us understand why he got over Tandy's death so quickly? Because he's not attached. In, in the beginning, it was like you thought like he is destroyed. He will be a different person. And yet um, later, he's not. He doesn't want to fight when somebody uh, says something bad about Tandy. Uh, he doesn't want to like he's he's not standing up for himself in those ways. And it it's he doesn't necessarily care. Like that was part of the act. He never was that attached. And he, he never loved something that you couldn't, you know, let go the second you put it in the ground. And so that, that kind of leads to a richer character in some ways for me.
1: And also says Han all over it later in the original trilogy. He definitely develops that.
2: No, yeah. yeah, I thought he was the perfect little, little um, Han Solo master or whatever kind of teaching him the way that was good.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Woody Harrelson character. God, him shooting first is the best thing ever. I'm sorry. I'm still not getting over that. All right, cool. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on Overthoughts, and we will return in just eighteen short months with a as yet untitled Star Wars movie, plus uh, John
2: Favreau's live action uh, TV show, plus Ryan Johnson's trilogy, oh, plus DB Weiss and uh, David Benioff's trilogy.
0: Oh, dog! I'm so excited about that. <laughs> got I want some Star Wars in
2: the Overthink's future. I
0: want all of it, and then more of it, <laughs> and I'm so excited. Um, all right, I should get us out of here. Uh, thanks for being with us. You can find us on Twitter at OverthinkPod. We're online at OverthinkPod.com. I'm on Twitter as at Helm Street. Ben, where can people find you?
2: Twitter.com slash TheBenHelms.
0: TheBenHelms. Uh, and Liz?
1: I guess you can reach out to me on Facebook, Liz rowley Uh My Twitter is long dead. I don't even know if I show the password, but maybe I'll revive it.
0: Who knows? Maybe this will cause you to revive it. Uh, Or start again uh, from the ashes of an old Twitter. Reborn like a phoenix phoenix. of tweets. All right, cool. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we'll catch you next time. I know. Wait, that doesn't work (laughs) there.
2: Thanks for listening to OverThoughts, a part of the OverThink Podcast Network. Uh, If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the Podcast Network. And if you're really feeling generous, go ahead and rate and review us on iTunes. That would really help us out in a big way uh, and would help us create more content to share with you as well. So as always, you can check out our website at overthinkpod.com. And our handle is at OverthinkPod pretty much everywhere else. So go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook. And that would help us by spreading the word. Uh, We're always interested in hearing from listeners, so please drop us a line and let us know what you think of the show. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, that kind of thing, Uh, maybe even if you want to suggest uh, some topics for us to cover on a podcast, that'd be great. You can email us at overthinkpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for stopping by.